Well, shalom, everyone. This is Dina Dye. I uh, hope you're all doing well tonight. Uh, I'm going to continue on the topic uh, that we were talking about last week, the concept of order and chaos. And uh, it's a very, I, I feel like it's really foundational to understand the scriptures in or, and seeing the, the balance between these two things, even before we get into the whole first chapter of Genesis. I think this theme, this concept is kind of essential. So uh, last week, I know I talked quite a bit about order. And uh, so this week, I, I wanted to kind of move more into the, uh, into the topic of, of the chaos part of it. Jeff, are you with me yet? I am. I'm here now. Can okay. you hear me? <laughs> I can. Uh, well, how, before I get launch off into the topic here of chaos... Speaking of chaos, how are things up in Tacoma, Washington? Well, um, I just had a moment of chaos here. I forgot to turn my microphone on, but uh, (laughs) Tacoma's chilly and cool and cloudy and beautiful and all those other things going on here in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) Well, good. And actually, we're having a cold spell here in New Mexico. We've just had the most gorgeous weather all uh, January. And then just uh, really the last day or two, it's sort of the temperatures have plummeted. But um, I don't mind. I guess we have to experience some winter. <laughs> I know you've had quite a bit of winter this year. Yeah, but it's nothing like what I grew up in, in upstate Rochester, New York, where we had six, seven feet of snow when I was a kid. So I can I can temper this just fine. Now, see, this is our classic chaos conversation, the climate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Up and down with the climate. So, yeah, I wanted to kind of uh, pick up a little bit from where I left off last week and we, I talked about, you know, order and the idea of typically in the ancient world, the king would establish order. Like when he came to town and he fought off all the enemies and he brought peace to that particular city, order would be established. So that was sort of in the physical sense. Uh, in the greater sense, the whole idea of the created order was um, things uh, – peace, rest, uh, what we sometimes call the millennial kingdom. And it its basis is really life. So when we contrast order and chaos, order establishes uh, permanence, stability, and brings forth life. And the opposite of that, of course, is chaos, which has to do with destruction, death, disorder, instability, those kinds of things. Um, I know you wanted to to sort of say something about that, the chaos order kind of thing. Um, what did you want to add to this? Well, I've just been, you know, I've been kind of looking at all of this stuff here. Uh, the, the, the thing that one has to do, and I like how uh, Professor John Walton describes it. He says, rather than translate the culture, we need to try to enter the culture. And so for me, as, as a participant in, in this program, and certainly – uh, learning as well as discussing these topics from you and both with you, uh, <clears throat> we have to kind of really establish this whole concept before we go into really Genesis, because unless we have the understanding of uh, the creation story or the function of why God's doing all of this, we're, we can get really lost. And so this whole program is trying to set a foundation for us to look at the culture and the cultural context of what chaos and order represented to them so that we understand how Moses, when he starts writing Genesis, all of these things are familiar to him. 
that's really all I wanted to say there, uh, Dean. I want to. I'm kind of eager to hear what you have to say tonight because based on what we we've already talked about. Yeah, I, and I think that concept of trying to enter the culture is really important. Now, it's it's a huge challenge because their culture is about 180 degrees out of phase from ours. It's like everything ours isn't. So it's a it's a huge challenge, but we do ourselves a great disservice if we don't even try to engage. I, I'm just I'm trying to lay here the pattern that we have in Scripture because we constantly see this this picture, this model of order and chaos, order and chaos. Now, of course, in the beginning, Genesis chapter one is uh, clearly an entire ordered passage. And order has much to do with temple building. So when one built a house, that established it, established order. Now, a house wasn't just a physical building. It was also a house, as in the house of Israel, where seed came forth, the new life came forth. And so every time you had a house established and then the house was destroyed, that's where chaos came in. And so out of that destruction, you had to rebuild a house, and that would bring things back to order. And when the house was destroyed, we went back to chaos. And the same thing was kind of in the family. So one of the the key features of order, if you will, is the concept of reproduction or um, procreation because it's bringing forth life. And you can, you know, in any time you have examples of chaos, it's essentially death. And and before I have you pick this up a little bit, one of the things I wanted to mention too, our world, we we look at our world is in terms of moral judgment. So something is either right or wrong. But the ancient world, they 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 sort of made that uh, assumption based on whether things were chaotic or in order. So when the king was ruling and reigning, he brought blessing and prosperity prosperity to the, the city or, or the dominion that he ruled over. And so they're looking at everything in terms of is there order in the kingdom or is there chaos? Would you want to comment on that? Well, the, the, I was looking at the word bara, which means uh, cre- we, we translate it as create. Right. But in the ancient world and in the Hebrew mind, it's not like, okay, here, I'm going to make a light bulb. I just created a light bulb. In their world, it was what is the function of the light bulb. Right. So, so we have to look at, we, we have to change the way we see things. We tend to look at things like Dina was saying, uh, you know, we, we really do look at the scriptures from an emotional perspective most of the time. Right. But also we look at it from a beginning and an end. So this started, now it has to end somewhere. Or we've got a question, there's got to be an answer. And in the Hebrew thought and the way the writers were writing the stories, they're looking at a circular thing, something ongoing that's, that's, that's not, it's, it's constant. So we have to change the way we think completely, like Dina said, almost 180 degrees in order to understand what Moses is about to convey. We have to do that. Exactly. Well, the Exodus story actually is a classic example of, of order chaos, uh, contrast there. I don't know if, have you had a chance to read this week's Torah portion? Uh, no, Vayera, I, I think it's starting in Exodus 6 to 9. Yeah. We're going through the plagues. And so think about where where is Israel? They're in Egypt, right? And they are clearly not in the land. See, typically when... The king, when they were in the land and the king was ruling, 
that was established order, but here they are in exile. So exile came to represent chaos for them. And so think of all think think of all the things that that was that were going on for them in in exile. Can you think of some things? Well, I just the biggest thing was the complaining. They were they were out of order. Yeah, yeah. And you know just what their life was like. Of course, by the time we get to this next king, who you know who didn't know who they were, Joseph's long gone. But mm-hmm. it is it's a period of tribulation and distress even the name mitzrayim egypt if you take the the root of it sar is means distress or tribulation so exile was always associated with with distress tribulation and of course what are they experiencing slavery oppression you know burden they're carrying a heavy load and the whole idea is of this sort of death realm. Well, think about what was the one thing that the Pharaoh was going to do to prevent the Israelites from having more, you know, for life coming forth. Well, they were going to kill all the baby boys, right? Mm-hmm. So here we have the chaos factor working again, destruction and killing the seed and destroying life. You can, you can see this all the way through the Bible. And so with all the plagues that come uh, fourth, which uh, are kind of patterned after Revelation, but these plagues are for the purpose of bringing forth new life. The plagues and all the very, I don't know, I can't remember, frogs and um, what yeah, else? The, the, the blood, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the blood water, the, the, the beetles, the lice. I mean, they just got bombarded with all kinds of things. But really what we're talking about is the destruction of the very thing that was causing disorder. Yeah, exactly. So they're in this world of gods in, in Egypt. Um, it's it's chaos in that their king is not ruling and reigning. They're not in the land, and they're not, you know, honoring their god. And so all this stuff comes to bear upon them in order to birth them out of that place and into the wilderness, which the main purpose and function in the wilderness was to build the tabernacle. So they had a place for the presence of God to dwell in their midst so that he could bring order to their world. Whenever the king is seated on the throne, he's been anointed and enthroned and he's seated on the throne. That is when order comes. So again, you can, I hope your mind is just kind of going all these places because the Bible is just filled with this kind of language um, through the kings, through them bringing order and stability and everything again inside a bound a boundary was always created where order functioned inside the boundary and then outside the boundary was chaos so you think about the children of israel in the wilderness so you know what's outside their boundary in the wilderness well dina the other thing too you mentioned last week exodus 20 which is one of my favorite uh, favorite because we see there that the fathers, when he talks to them, uh, I'm thinking of Ezekiel 20, but he's going back to the to the wilderness um, experience. I'm sorry, Ezekiel 20, and he says, "I brought you out, and you 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 insisted on chaos, right? And so none of you are going to go into the land that I'm bringing order to, and this and then he makes this declaration two other times." Your children carried the idols, the, the chaos, into the land that I promised, so I threw them out. We see this pattern over and over and over again. It wasn't so much that they were disobedient, as that they just kept the chaos going as a result yeah. of their disobedience. And so he couldn't bring them 
to a place of rest. Yeah, exactly. And so this, it's just everything in scripture is really about bringing the fullness of the created order. So as we, I've ta- I think I mentioned last time, as we go through these various genealogies and stuff, we're talking about the crea- created order, new creation. So really the Exodus story is all about the new creation and they're taken out of the place of disorder and chaos and, you know, brought into the wilderness. And then this magnificent tabernacle is constructed. You know, the designs and plan come from the very heart and very, the face of God when Moses is face to face and they construct this so that God himself would be present in their midst and bring order and stability. And I was, you know, thinking, you know, when they, they had to go outside the camp when they violated or when, you know, there was some issue of purity. And, of course, outside the camp was a dangerous place. I mean, that's the place you're going to get eaten or killed or worse, I don't know. But, you know, if the hyenas and the snakes and the scorpions and all that stuff was outside the boundary. So boundaries become very important in the ancient world. Everything is in terms of boundaries. When you're inside the boundary, it's your place of protection and provision. It's where order is. And when you're outside the boundary, uh, you're not in a good place. So the the seas, uh, I mentioned the word last week, I think, uh, tehom. Yeah, you said that it wasn't a word that you were actually familiar with in the Hebrew. No, it, it was to- tofu, and I looked it up, and I, I said, <laughs> oh, I've never heard that word before. Well, so yeah, I looked it up, and I started, uh, yeah, no, yeah. go ahead. Well, the tohu vavohu uh, essentially is sort of life coming out of, of a, not a, not a chaos per se, but out of non-order. But there's another word I wanted to draw your attention to this week, that the tehom, we translate it as the deep. So you remember in the story of Noah that the foundations of the deep broke open. So mm-hmm. the deep, the seas, raging rivers, these are all places of chaos. And they come to represent later on in, in Judaism uh, armies and enemies. So anytime you see floods and raging rivers and etc., you can pretty much take it to the bank that it's talking about enemies or, or armies. So think about Pharaoh for a second. When the when the waters split and the dry ground appeared, and again that dry ground concept, land, is related to temple building and stability. And so Israel walks through on dry ground. But what happens to Pharaoh and his chariots and all that stuff? They're thrown into the deep, the Tehom, the place of confusion. Now the ancient world... Uh, especially the ancient Israelites were absolutely terrified of the seas, <laughs> the waters, because in their minds, way down deep in there were all these sea monsters lurking about. So they had a great fear uh, of the seas. And so this this is, a, again, important. Think about, um, if you remember what Yeshua did in terms of the water when they were in the boat. I, I actually read something because in their minds they were seeing not him walking on water but they were seeing him they saw him as conquering everything under the water exactly because the seas represented the underworld right right yeah absolutely so, yeah so it's classic and you know so we i mean did he walk on water probably but it's not even the point that's being communicated because in the ancient world you had heaven and earth 
and underneath or heaven and earth and sea. And the sea was the boundary outside of the house. And so he had dominion over the underworld is what was being communicated. Now, they would have understood that. We, of course, don't because we take everything literally. But the Tehom, the sea. So uh, as I was mentioning, you know, Pharaoh goes down and he's, you know, covered up by the seas and goes down into the deep. Um, I don't know if for the folks out there, if you have your Bibles, I'd just like to draw your attention uh, to Ezekiel 29, verse 1. Let me just read that for you. And it says, Behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, O great monster who lies in the midst of his rivers. So they seen Pharaoh as being that monster down, lurking down into the seas, or in this case, he's in the rivers, uh, according to the Nile River. And he has said, my river is my own, I have made it for myself. And I'd like to also read a verse from Isaiah. This is Isaiah 27.1, is communicating the same thing. So the seas and the deep represent this, uh, this chaos, and there's always a chaos creature that's associated with the deep. So um, let me see. From Isaiah 27.1 says, In that day, the Lord with his uh, sword, great and strong, will punish the Leviathan. In Hebrew, that's the Leviathan. Basically, it's a sea monster. The fleeing serpent, the Leviathan's called. That twisted serpent. So now we sort of have echoes of the garden, right? And he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. So again, this beast thing in the sea deep down. So when you get to the book of Revelation and you see the seven-headed beast coming out of the water, it's the chaos creature bringing chaos to the earth. Um, have you ever noticed that before? Well, I was just, I was, I've been doing a little bit of research on this. And so when we see Hasatan or the serpent in the midst of the garden, in, in the ancient world, they would have seen the beast of the deep now occupying a, a sacred space. So right. this this whole concept of uh, of something coming up out of the abyss ties into the way they would have seen the world. Something evil or or chaotic that's bringing great destruction has now come up against us. This and is what fluent. It, yeah, and what it tells us is, yeah, there's these sea monsters, these beasts, et cetera, et cetera, but it still remains up to us to make a choice like they had a choice adam and they chose choice. To, yeah exactly adam and eve had a choice and they chose not to obey the one rule it appears they had in the garden and so the the chaos creature worked as magic and what happened to them they could not stay in the sacred space and so they were exiled so here we go they're exiled out of the boundary of the sacred space to the place that is now chaos now Adam is supposed to be running the show here, and uh, he has failed miserably. Um, I, in my mind, this is kind of my opinion, but I believe from the very beginning that, uh, and, and this goes along with the ancient world, they always had a king to rule over the city, right? But the garden being sacred space representing a temple, God from the very beginning had chosen one to rule and reign over that sacred space as king and high priest. And it became the role of the high priest to maintain the created order. 
So you think about him every year going into the Holy of Holies for the purpose of pushing back chaos and restoring order. So the chaos that's been caused by the sin of Israel all through the year. And now the high priest's responsibility is to enter into the behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies and uh, once again restore order out of chaos. And so the whole Bible is really dealing with the concept of restoring order. I was what just flashed in my head, and I don't know if, if uh, those in the audience listening, uh, we read Ephesians 6, put on, put on the uh, whole armor of God. And, uh, you know, most of us picture this Roman dude, this, this Greek soldier. And actually what we're, what we're really talking about, what Paul's really addressing is the, the high priest, the garments of the high priest who was bringing order. And bringing right. the strength of the bringing the strength of everything that he has been ordained to do to bear. We're not looking at a Greek dude who's going to protect us or or be, somehow become. Uh, I, I like to say Hercules. We're looking at the high priest and what his function was, and this is what Adam's purpose was, and he failed miserably. But we have to get it out of our head that this is a Greek dude when we're reading Ephesians six or a Roman dude. We're really talking about the function and purpose of the high priest, which was to literally establish order. Yeah, and it, it's it, to me it's remarkable because the whole system of creation is, is unique in that it could be put off balance or, cre- or create chaos because of the wrong actions of human beings. Like, this is our actions – and our obedience, it has consequences for the entire created order. Like this, we can't even get our hands around that. And so uh, what happens in creation is not because God goes zappo, you know, and he makes all this stuff happen. It is in response to sin and to uh, human activity. And uh, so everything that, you know, that was the purpose and function of the high priest was to restore that that chaos because of sin and and bring order once again. So I do I really do feel this is an important you know important to understand this even before we get into Genesis chapter one because this is the thread going to take us from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Well, the, the you know I can't help but stop me thinking when we when we look at the patterns. I mean, for example, King Solomon. This glorious Israel, and what does he do? He initiates disorder and eventually the division of the kingdom. All kinds of things happened as a result of what he allowed into the sacred place or the sacred space, which which was the temple. So we've got this beautiful temple built, and Solomon introduces chaos, which affects Israel, has affected Israel even to, to this very day. And so when you talk about affecting it doesn't just affect the world around us. It affects the centuries and, and all the years and everything in between. Uh, from the time of Adam until now, we've been fighting chaos. And so has the temple of heaven. So everything is affected by what we do. That's why it's important to understand what chaos and order are. If you don't understand that, then what Moses is talking about is God at some point decided to appoint Adam to bring, you know, that's an interesting point. 
Dina, and I thought about this. I was going to ask you about it too. If, if, if and I don't want to jump into Genesis because we're not there yet. We're just trying to get the folks to understand there's the, this stuff matters. But if Adam was placed into the temple in order to bring order, I imagine you got some place you're going to go with that eventually. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but <laughs> order was already established there, and so he came in, you know, as high priest to serve and to keep and maintain order. <laughs> However, he did the opposite. So now we wait. Well, of course, we're we have we're on the other side of it. But the second Adam, who would serve as high priest, did restore order, and order was restored through repentance. This is key. And to the ancient, I mean, they would have marveled over this, that one came who was high priest and king, and uh, as an offering, in a sense, for them, and a bloodshed, and basically restored the created order. <laughs> Can you imagine? We don't even see it that way. But in for us, in order to uh, be a part of that order, we uh, repentance is the key. I mean, you cannot... If if you if there is no repentance, you remain in that place of chaos. And you know in your own life, when you repent and you forgive, um, everything, it's like this giant weight is lifted and you know that you've moved out of this sphere of confusion and <laughs> just chaos into a place of, of peace and rest in him. That's a perfect parallel to what uh, what's really going on in the entire universe. I remember, too, uh, when I first became a believer, you know, I would repent. Uh, I would kind of put the bad behavior in the closet for a couple of weeks, and then I would grab it back out. So really what I was doing was I was just exercising the chaos in my life. I never really repented. Right. And so and that's kind of how we are today in a lot of in a lot of the areas of our lives. We, we kind of uh, my pastor, Pastor Mark Mills, he says we don't. We don't we don't quit doing it. We just kind of go back and visit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, but each time we do that, we the chaos just gets worse. It just gets worse because now you've got a dual personality going, and all this crap is going on all around you, and it's kind of hard for the the spirit of the living God, the loving God that we have, the loyal God who's keeping covenant, who understands all of this, to penetrate into the chaos that we're creating which is what we're really talking about. It doesn't end if we don't repent. Right. And really, you know, you can look out in the world. I mean, you can just be completely overwhelmed. And so it always just starts with you in your relationship with him, repentance. And then you ex that extends out to your immediate family and, you know, whoever's in your family and then extends out to, you know, the body, the congregation family and the greater family across the world and we can't get overwhelmed but we just need to make sure we keep those boundaries in place in our own life and in the in the lives that we touch one of the biggest fruit if you will of chaos is division you brought that right. up just a minute right. ago and really uh, you don't have to look very far i don't care if you're in the religious world the church world the political whatever world you're in the predominant fruit is division and so that is uh, that is chaos on steroids, if you ask me. <laughs> well, it really is, and I'm I'm actually writing a book about that, but um, and we'll talk about all those things. But folks, uh, we're coming up on the end of our half hour, and uh, 
You know, if you want to catch the archives on the programs, just go to jeffsmorton.com. I'm, I'm, we had a couple of donations that came through and we appreciate you supporting what we're trying to do. And also, uh, uh, Messianic Lamb Radio, uh, was gracious enough to give us this time spot. So we're going to be back here next week. Dina, did you want to close out the show, uh, and just invite our listeners to come back as we really kind of, we're, we're really just kind of getting started, folks. Yeah, we got we got a lot to share. So next week, we'll, probably I'll move into the whole concept of, of rest, what that really means. So if we understand um, chaos and order and then the, the concept of rest, I think we're from there, we're going to be ready to, to look at uh, Genesis chapter one. It's going to make a lot more sense. So see you next time. Shalom. See you next week, guys. Bye bye. 